Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. We are back at Be Real for another week. This is Anisha. I'm so excited to be here on this uh, rather chilly Friday. That's when we're taping. Um, Hey, Diana. Hey, Anisha. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, I can't decide if it's hot or cold, but yeah, on and off with the sweater this morning. (laughs) We had a couple of good warm days and I didn't get outside. I was so sad at that point because when I decided to go out, it was like 30 degrees. Like, damn it. <laughs> we have to start putting that back into the schedule. I mean, I think we had scheduled ourselves to go outside when it was still warm out and then it got cold and we're like, we don't have to leave the house. So for sure. Yeah. That has to happen. I know that I stopped going out as much after I got a Peloton. I could see why. Me and that Peloton. Yeah. Cody Rigsby, if you're listening to Be Real, I'm still, you're still my favorite. I mean, the rest of you are all amazing too, but just want you to know. Okay. So listen, some of us don't have a Peloton. I know. I know. I know. It seems like everyone has it, right? SNL's talking about it. Like they're doing skits about it. Everyone doesn't have one. Okay. I know. And I know that people don't have one. And I know that it is a privilege to have enough room for a Peloton and to have a Peloton. One of my favorite- Have a good back for Peloton. I cannot do spin. Like my back is- jacked up and so yeah it's too much for me all right but can I say one of my favorite things about the Peloton sure the music they've definitely invested a lot in in the Peloton right and making it an amazing experience for its users I will say that well I mean I like having uh somebody choose music for me one and Mm -hmm. two uh music makes me feel good sometimes um mood changer yeah you know listen I love music. However, I've been told that I need to change my music. I don't have anything new. Like I don't have anything. I'm stuck in the (laughs) nineties. Um, 2000, like nothing past like 2010, maybe, maybe 2015, maybe, maybe cause I love Bruno Mars. So like I have Bruno Mars and Adele, but other than that, like I am a little uptown funk. I mean, yeah, I'm stuck, stuck. I mean, no, I'm not going to sing. I could, oh, but gosh, I won't. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, but- I don't know. Do I have something against today's music? I'm not really sure, but like I am heavy on 90s and 2000s music. I mean, I, I'm just stuck. I don't like, <laughs> I just listen to what I like. I don't like, I have one an artist that I like and I just follow them. I- <laughs> Recently. Okay. I went on a road trip. I didn't Mm -hmm. go on a road trip. Really, really. I didn't go far, but I went away. So it was like sometime like in the past couple of months. In a car. In a car. (laughs) And you know, best place to be to listen to music is actually in your car, right? Right. Especially if you're alone, because then like you get to choose your own music, you get to dance, you get to do the whole thing and nobody's actually there making fun of you or telling you or like annoyed. And you get to sing out loud like you are like it is your day on the voice and it's a fortune turn. Like you're like, (laughs) (laughs) because that's what I think is happening to me. And then I introduce myself to the the coaches at the end when I get to the next stop sign. That being said, Alicia Keys, I'm in all of them. I have all of her and her last album, 
Mm-hmm. There is a song on it, name, do not know, words, make them up because I'm in my car, but I know the song. So then <laughs> I'm getting my nails done recently. Okay. I'm getting my nails done. And all of a sudden I'm like, I find myself like, I was like, this is a new song, you know, cause you hear songs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I was so excited that I knew the song. <laughs> I was like, it's really good. I'm still playing Whitney it. Houston. I want to dance with somebody. Okay. See, I mean, I'm in my are. house. Come on. We just, all are. Dancing around to Whitney Houston. Um, good old eighties. Now I'm taking it further back. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a real thing. And you can like, get and, it, it and if people could see you right now, she's dancing. Guys. But it's yeah, not like that pretty. She, it's moving and grooving. Um, I love song it. Song in my head. So one more song story. So the other, so, you know, we're all at home working. Yes. Work in the back doors closed next to the door, next the room, next to the room in the back is the bathroom singing in the shower. Not me. I'm on the phone with doing my thing, like listening, working, working, (laughs) being a therapist, midday, home from the gym, in the shower. All of a sudden, like a full-on concert coming out (laughs) of the shower. Like I know that (laughs) my patient can't hear it, but I am like honest to God. And (laughs) I can't, and there's nowhere to go. Right. Like you can't, where am I going to go? Can't go anywhere. It's not like, okay. So at the end of my day, cause then like, I have another patient right after that doesn't line up with the shower. I come out and I'm like, yo, Barry white, what's up? Like, what <laughs> is going on in the shower? And like clueless, clueless. It was one, it was, it was a day where I was not actually cranky. Nice. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I love music. It does definitely help. I'll play some gospel music in the morning to get me going and then you know i'll change from gospel to like some nwa to hype me up i have some really weird you know that's an interesting transition (laughs) (laughs) we're just gonna listen we're just gonna bring it bring a little nothing like a little god in the morning first i'm like oh jesus we're gonna question (laughs) bring in in the joy bring in the little god and then we're gonna question all that goes on in human nature okay i love it i love it i love it i love it um now you're gonna introduce our guest and i am not gonna sing because this the guest first name did have me burst into song one of my favorite songs and we'll let our listeners hear the name and maybe it'll it'll induce the song for them all right let's go so our guest for today is jolene blackborn she is a california attorney who left her senior level position at a fortune 100 company to help students graduate from college and law school in less time with less debt and less stress, so they can live the life they've always dreamed. So she's been advising law students since she was one herself and has been giving speeches at universities for the last 20 years. So I'm excited to hear more about what she does, because I would say if I had less debt and I can do law school in less time, my mental health will probably be in a good place. So I think we want to hear from her today. So do your thing, Diana. Sit back. (laughs) Grow, grab your tea, sit back and have a listen. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy, and if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of BeWell Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. BeWell is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, BeWell offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. 
Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back. Hi, Diana. Be Real is back this week, this sunny Friday in New York City slash New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Anisha. Yes, yes. We have signs of spring, signs of spring. Yes, Super we exciting. Do. It's daylight savings this weekend. Days are getting longer. Oh, yeah. All the exciting things. <laughs> I am so excited about the guest today. I yes! am too. I am too, because um, I think mental health, law, law students, lawyers, it's definitely a thing, a real thing. Both of us have a lot of uh, clients who are lawyers and um, we know about the anxiety that, that comes up for them. So uh, we have Jolene Blackburn here with us today. So Jolene, if you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself to get this uh, conversation started. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me here. Of course. I'm so excited to be a guest today. Um, mental health is definitely top of my list. So my name is Jolene. I am a California attorney. I've been practicing for about 20 years. Even since law school, I have been helping law students and prospective law students with their legal journey. I help them save time, money, and stress so that they can be financially free and live the life they always dreamed as an attorney. Uh, when I was looking at your website, your tagline is like helping pre-law and law students make their legal journey safe. Mm -hmm. And so when I was thinking about safe, I was thinking, are we talking mentally and emotionally safe? And what other types of safety are we talking about here? The problem that a lot of students don't really see is that their mental health really is at jeopardy. Mm -hmm. So I use the acronym SAFE to help them remember to always apply strategy to the application process, to the finances and their education. And when they do that, they will save that time, money and stress. And I give them so many different ways that they can do that. But if they're always looking around, if they're always analyzing their situation, they will come out ahead again financially. And I believe that directly impacts their mental health. I think that a lot of attorneys have mental health issues not just because of the stresses of their job itself, but mm -hmm. because they can't even change jobs because they are so in debt. They have to make the money they're mm -hmm. currently making. They have to put in the extra time for the bonus money. They just don't have the options they thought they were going to have when they went into law school. So I try to make sure that they have those options, that they see all the little places they can save money so that when they graduate, they don't have all that debt they can hold out for their dream job, or if they find that their job is no longer their dream job, they can change, whether it's in law, out of law, whatever it is. So behind the scenes, we were talking a little bit about you, your career and how you got here. So I think it's important for our listeners to hear a little bit about your journey of, as an attorney and how you ended up with this amazing deliverable. Yeah. So when I was in law school, which was again, about 20 years ago, I turned my fraternity into the largest organization on campus. And I really made sure to get to know my members and they started confiding in me. So they would tell me things like, my fiance is cheating on me and just all the little things that are a little TMI. <laughs> so, you know, I, but I started stringing these stories together and I saw patterns and I started advising others. And I ended up getting really big questions. Things like, should I drop out of law school? Or, you know, uh, my fraternity was flying me around the state to talk to pre-law chapters and I would get questions like, which school should I choose? And so I was helping people make these really big life decisions very early on. So I just kept that up throughout my entire legal career, giving speeches at law schools and pre-law chapters. And in 2019, I left the full-time practice of law to do devising full time. So I did practice primarily in workers' compensation. I worked at a Fortune 100 company. I did all the things that you wanna do as a lawyer. I took a case to the California Supreme Court. I was nicknamed trial queen when I actually had no intention in law school of being a trial attorney. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually want to do transactional work and uh, I didn't even care if I actually became an attorney. I just wanted my law degree and I just figured I'd see what happened after that. But just as things went along, as I got better and better at my practice, I realized, you know, some of these people are liars and I don't like what they're saying and I'm not going to take it. And so <laughs> I just took everything to trial. So, which actually is very helpful. A lot more people settle with you when they know you're not afraid to go to trial. So it helped in both ways, but yeah, so I did all the things. And so I felt very comfortable when a few years ago, I just felt like 
my practice was very demanding and my kids were increasingly demanding. And I decided to take a step down and just advise students full time, which I have been loving. Wow. I was just thinking about um, how much law school actually cost, right? You, you know, right. I, I think that I don't think that people really understand like the type of um, investment that you are making as a, a, a law school student. I was looking before the podcast and um, Columbia University is 69,000, I think, a year. Law school costs between 50 and $70,000 a year. Like, so I was like, just round that up. Yeah, like, <laughs> just round that up. Yeah, to like 70, yeah, 70,000. And I'm probably, that doesn't even probably include everything. That's probably only tuition. That doesn't even talk about room and board, like all the other things that come with being a student. And so that type of debt, just the thought of being maybe 200,000, $250,000 in debt when you're done with school, how do you not? want to work all day and all night, right? Just to kind of pay it off and, and to feel financially free, a, bit, a yeah. bit of freedom, get a bit of freedom. Yes. So there are some statistics I share with students as much as possible. So they really <laughs> understand what they're getting themselves into. Backing it up a notch. Okay. Using again, yeah, you, you all you have is internet numbers, right? So yeah. <laughs> the average college student graduates with $30,000 in debt and they make on average starting salary $51,000. So it's totally doable. You can pay those numbers back. Now, again, I know everyone's different, right? but for law students, they say the average graduating debt is $150,000 and the average salary, not starting, average salary of an attorney is $83,000. Wow. So you are paying $150,000 for a $30,000 raise. And that's not even immediate. That's over time. You still have to work several years to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And just to give you another example, I had a friend in LA. She started in workers comp in 2003. Her starting salary was $60,000. Oh. I had another friend, workers comp LA, starting salary in 2012, nine years later, $60,000. That's how we get to that number of 83,000. The raises just aren't happening. Sure, some people are making really good money, mm -hmm, but a lot of people are not. And so if you're going to go into public interest, if you're going to go into government work, if you're not a superstar, you need to figure out how to go to law school for free or for the price of a regular college. And it's possible. The cheapest law school out there is actually only $13,000. And as you said, the most expensive one is seventy. Right. <laughs> but the $13,000 school is not the lowest ranked and the $70,000 one is not the highest ranked. Well, I'm glad that you said that. So I know nothing about going to grad uh, going to law school. I do know about going to grad school, but I do know <laughs> that there's a lot about the ranking of law schools is really like, that's like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Can it's too, a little bit. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. It's too much of a thing. It, people consider it a little too much. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I try to help students really see. And, you know, sometimes I just can't get through to them, but, um, you know, we all have to make our own mistakes, but I try to save as many as I can. The ranking only takes you so far again, unless you're going to be that superstar and you know that the only firm you want to work for only hires from that one school, you don't need to pay 40,000 or 60,000 for that one school. You mm -hmm. can go a few notches down and get a free ride or get a half a ride or whatever it is. There are so many different schools out there and some of them have specialized programs. And again, some of them will try to make you pay more for those specialized programs. You know, they really try to rein you in and that may not be the best option for you. Everyone's different, but you need to look at programs and rank and atmosphere. And what do you actually want to do? Because if you want to go into a particular area of law, it might actually be better for you to go to a lower ranked school mm -hmm. and get that scholarship money. Again, let's say you want to go into government work. If you get the scholarship money, you can afford to go into, scholar, uh, into the government work. Um, I know someone who wants to go into intellectual property and she was applying to all these top schools. And then she did some informational interviews with intellectual property firms in the area she wanted to go into in the city. And they said, you know, we don't recruit from those schools. We recruit from these other schools. Wow. And those schools were lower ranked. And so she applied there and she got scholarship money because she was, you know, overqualified. So it was a total win for her. You don't really know before you go in what is going to be best for you. So that's why you need a mentor. That's why you need help. That's why you need to do informational interviews 
and again, apply that strategy I was talking about to your applications, to the finances. It's not just about, let's just get the highest rank possible. Let's look like a superstar to the world. And you have to try, it's hard to reflect on why are you doing these things? Why are you trying to become an attorney? Why are you trying to go to this high rank school? Is it because you just want everyone around you to be like, wow, you went to that <laughs> school. You went to Harvard. You're so impressive. And, you know, sometimes it's not about us. It's, it's about how we want to be seen. And you could be paying for that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like that's not a little ticket. Like with you. <laughs> Harvard law is not a little ticket. So like when I think about it, so I've definitely treated big law attorneys in my practice for a long time. None of them are like, oh my God, I love my job. Now I have heard, and I've watched two of them leave big law as soon as their debt was cleared. But like to get from that point to the point that their debt was cleared, their mental health was, it, they were like crippled and both from different circumstances, different people. But like, but I was like, what, what happened? What happens there? And I don't think I made the full connection of like the weight of the debt, but it was like, I mean, they both went to top ranking law schools um, because I'm sure they felt that they had to. And I'm sure none of the, neither of them or any of them got counseling on like how to, how to do this, how to do this for free. But what about the culture of big law? I mean, what I think that, that oftentimes when I think of people becoming attorneys, I think of private practice attorneys and then big law. And I like, forget about everything in between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are so many different ways that you can be an attorney that people, I think, forget that. And they think that they all have to go for this one goal. And that's not what everyone wants. So yeah, big law attorneys, part of the problem too with them getting out is that they're working so many hours, they have to hire someone to live their life for them. And it makes it harder to afford to get out. Not only do they have a mortgage size student loan payment, but now they have to pay for a meal service because they never have time to cook. And they have to pay for a maid because they can't clean. And they have to pay for the nanny on top of the daycare. And they have to pay for the dog walker because they can never walk their dog. And it's just, it adds up. And it's it's not that they're overspending. It's that they literally can't you know live their lives. And so it gets this cycle and it gets really hard. And you have to have usually some help to get out because- it's like, you know, signing up with the mafia. <laughs> you just can't just leave. <laughs> so it's very, very difficult. And it's not something that people see. And when they have speakers come to their pre-law chapters, they're talking about how great their job is. Oh, we get paid for lunches and we get to travel or whatever the thing is. I think the reason those speeches are that way is because a lot of the lawyers are afraid to discourage people from going to law school and, and living their dreams. They don't want to say your dream sucks, right? Mm -hmm. Don't live your dream. So, but you know, my job is to say, are you sure what your dream is? First of all, what do you actually want out of life? Will law actually help you get there? The best way to reach it, no matter what, is to do so debt-free or as close to debt-free as you can get. And again, that's only because one, you could afford things, but two, you can afford to change things. And so a lot of pre-law students are being fed by every attorney who comes to speak. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter what they do, whether it's, you know, private practice, like their own little firm or big law. Oh, here's all the benefits of what I do. And they're not being fed the negative. So yeah, I've been called sadistic because I say all the negative things with a smile, <laughs> 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 but it's, it needs to be heard. And I actually, I used to speak to students more focus on mental health, but they do what I did, which is, okay, the American Bar Association did a study. 30% of attorneys have depression or have suffered from depression. 20% mm -hmm. have had anxiety and 20% have problematic drinking. They didn't get into substance abuse, but problematic drinking. Those numbers are way too low, first of all. That is not accurate. Second of all, I just thought, well, I've never had any mental health issues. I've never had anxiety or depression, you know, be going into law school, just normal, you know, exam stress and stuff like that. So that's not going to be me. I'm not going to be in that 30%. I'm going to be that extra, you know, 60 or whatever, 70%. And then of course, in law school, I had my first anxiety attack. As much as I loved my job at my Fortune 100 company, I had several anxiety attacks. And on my side of the law, the law says basically that we, it's kind of like a guilty until proven innocent. Like we are going to lose unless we can overcome. Sometimes when you feel like 
that person's such a liar. I should win. And you just can't get that win. It gets depressing. You know, this person that you know is a liar is getting money. There's so many different ways that the job can attack your mental health. And then of course, because everyone's got these mental health issues, they're attacking each other. So it's, you know, you're in court and literally there were fistfights in court between attorneys. There's so many different ways that the practice of law can affect your mental health. And I used to try to explain this to students, but they, like me, just thought that's not going to be me. So now I reverse engineer it. I talk about their finances and how that can impact their mental health. And I think they recognize that a lot more because they've already got student loan debt. So they can feel it or they can feel it coming if they don't already have student loan debt. Oh, that's super smart. Right. Because people are like, oh my God, that's not going to happen to me. I'm, I got this. I got this. Mental health issues aren't for me. And I'm thinking like, also you go, if it had been me going to law school, it would be so that I can wear the outfits on suits because <laughs> I can't get enough of what's going on there. And, but you also think that like, I mean, if you think about it while I'm saying it, like, even when they're working late at night, like no one looks disheveled. Everybody looks like they, you know, they're like fresh as a daisy. They like had their food delivered in like that gets to be your impression, even though you can tell yourself it's not real, but like, that's what's going on in your mind. Like I'm going to live that life. Like they have all of these wonderful things and it's so great. And like, she makes a decision and things happen and they resolve conflict. And then there's a commercial and everybody's like, and everybody's bills are paid. Like you don't, but the stress of like the bills themselves, but also too, I don't think we get enough information about the culture. What I mean, we're going to, we actually have to take a break because we're going to come back and talk about the culture of being an attorney as a woman and more about what you do. <laughs> Absolutely. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. And we're back. I want to go back to my question about being a woman, female identified as an attorney, because I, it is a male dominated culture in my opinion from yes. where I sit. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, the field I ended up in workers' compensation did have a lot of older, uh, mostly white guys. And then it was just being run over by young females. And so it was a really nice place to be because you didn't feel that as much as I think in other industries, uh, there really was a lot of just people to be friends with and, you know, camaraderie with the females. So that was really nice, but a lot of the firms were being run by these older guys that had no value on family, had no value on your time. And so it was hard. It was a matter of you had to find your place. You had to find a place that understood you were not willing to sacrifice your family. Yeah, you might have to work some nights and weekends. You are a lawyer, but you know, you want to be there for your kids. You want to be there for the important events and you don't want to work 24/7. And there were places that were available in my industry. So, I found that even though I actually never intended to go into workers' compensation, it ended up being a really good area of law for me, both socially, because again, a lot of people did get along. It was a pretty congenial feel, so a little bit less stress, but also there were places that 
value family and there were a lot of females in that industry. I think a lot of people don't leave that industry because of that. A lot of the females don't leave the industry. They might hop around firms trying to find that best family-friendly place, but more so than a lot of other industries, we had firms that were remote you know, before COVID. So yeah, you could work from home, whether it was part-time or full-time. Some of them were 100% work from home. Some were just, hey, we want to see you sometimes, you know, help welcome in the younger attorneys who need help. If you want to work from home a day or two a week, that's fine. So my first firm was not like that. It was, we want you here 24-7. If you're working after hours, fine, you can take the work home. But if you're done in court early, we want you back here in the office. And so, yeah, when I first had my daughter, that became increasingly difficult and they were not willing to work with me at all. They just were like, okay, you went to court, come back. And I said, well, you know, it's only a couple hours. Can't I just go home and just, I don't know, decompress a little bit, you know? And they weren't willing to work with that. I don't know that that was the entire firm, but that was the managing partner. And so that's what I was stuck with. And so I left and, you know, found a firm that was family friendly. And, you know, the problem though is, family-friendly law firms are almost like an oxymoron, right? So it's like, okay, you're family-friendly. You make a lot of accommodations. You do the best you can. But at the end of the day, this is still a law firm. I'm still expected to work a lot. And in my field, you know, some areas of law, you only have a couple of cases and you work really intensely on them. In my field, you had anywhere from 80 to over hundred cases. So it was- Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. You're literally multitasking all the time and things can drop through the cracks if you're not super organized. So it's its own level of stress. We have looser deadlines than a lot of other areas of law. If you miss like a little deadline, a lot of times there's ways to kind of make that up. But that's, I think, part of the industry because everyone is multitasking so much. But yeah, it's hard. You're racing in your mind all the time. Did I miss that thing on file number 85, you know? And, and then you've got your kids at home and you're just like, wait, did I make the cupcakes for that event? Or, you know, it's just, it's a lot to manage. Yeah, Jolene, with your student, is a big part of the work talking about these unrealistic expectations that will be put on them. Do they have an understanding of that, right? Like we talk about the unrealistic expectation of the finances, right, and the debt. What about the unrealistic expectation of the actual work and who you're asked to be when you become an attorney, right, and the responsibility? I think some of the criticism that comes along with it too, right? It feels very, from some of the attorneys I talk to, it feels very nitpicky. Right. Around yeah. the work. And what is that like to have someone be so critical of you so often? Yeah. I don't think it registers with pre-law students. Mm-hmm. I, I think they just think they're prepared for that. Yeah. So it's really hard. You can tell them I don't dwell on it too much because they, it, they don't absorb very well with that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just hard to really understand until you really see it, whether it's as an attorney or as the therapist who sees the attorney, right? So yes. <laughs> it's, or a family member who has to deal with the attorney, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, um, it, it can be very difficult because you are expected to be perfect because if you make a mistake, that is malpractice. That's just wow. not a mistake. It's not, everything's malpractice. So it's just a matter of whether the other side decides to pursue that and, There have certainly been times where opposing counsel did not need to push any further. They proved their point. They got their little penalty out of me or whatever it was because me or my client didn't do a thing. And they just kept pushing for more and more and more. And it's like, do you understand that you could potentially be making me lose my job? Like the more you push this, the more people on my end are going to point fingers. Mm. It doesn't matter if I advise my client, don't do that thing. If I didn't advise them enough <laughs> to not do that thing, then maybe I'm partly at fault. You know, I mean, just, you never know. So, I mean, the one good thing, again, in my industry was a lot of times people didn't push that hard. Hey, give me a little penalty. I'll go away. But some people would push, push, push. And in other industries, that's what they do. That's how they make their money is they push for every little penalty. And so then your manager starts to dig. The client starts to ask a lot more questions. And if it turns out you dropped any of the 100 balls, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's your fault. So yeah, it's, I've seen people lose their jobs over stuff like that. It's very scary. So you're always living in a little bit of fear and it's, it's no fun. <laughs> even if you're valued at your firm, even if you're known for being amazing, 
did you make a mistake? You know, did you just cost us thousands of dollars? Did you cost the client thousands of dollars, you know, and you have to make sure you document everything. And sometimes there's things you just, even though you're good at documenting, of course, you, of course you get good at documenting there's, you don't write everything down or you don't write it down as well as you thought. And sometimes it's a phone conversation and your summary isn't as detailed as to who said what. Mm -hmm. So it gets very scary when people start picking apart what did you do and when so that we, and sometimes they're picking it apart so that they can tell the client clearly, you were warned, you decided to pursue this anyway, type right. of thing. But it's, it's very scary when you have other people looking at your stuff. It, it just, you're never fully safe. I just don't think that law students or pre-law students are warned enough or in a way that they comprehend mm -hmm. that, you know, I can't even give my best friend legal advice because again, that could be a legal liability. I can't sign a lease. You know, if I sign, let's say for a storage unit and everyone else in the building signs their same rental agreement and we all have the same problem with the landlord, those other people might actually be able to recover something versus me. I may not be able to recover something if there's a problem because I'm a lawyer and I should have known better. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so like, you don't oh. even get to make mistakes in your personal life either. No. That's a lot so of pressure, Joni. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it my joins. business. How do, <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Let's, let's find the upside to being an attorney. Hold on, hold on. Let's find it. So, because as you're talking and I'm thinking about like, as a business owner, I have more conversations with an attorney than I normally would in my day to day. And so when I'm have it, it is funny to me because I'm just like shooting the shit or just like ask it like, but when the conversation is, I'm asking a question about something for my business, like I can hear her voice change and how she says, well, I will advise you to, or I, or this is like, and then like, I'll get an email and it's like, should you? we're waiting for you to say this is okay. And I was like, why the fuck, why do you need me to say it's okay? Just do it. And I was like, oh, oh, right. Well, now it's a little bit more clear because I can be like very like, oh, well, I'm not the expert. This is why you're here. So I just expect you to be working in my best interest. So sure, go ahead, do it. But the acknowledgement of it, and I'm not actually thinking about the pressure on her side, what happens if she makes a decision for me? Like if you sign a lease and she, you don't look through the whole thing. Like, it's kind of like, wow, it's a lot. That's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what students don't realize is that we are not decision makers at all. You think at this level with this much education, with this much, you know, supposed rank and power that mm -hmm. we are big decision makers. We are nothing. Actually, we are advisors. Yeah. Here are your choices. That is what my job is, is to know all the choices, give them to the client. You have two or three choices. Which one do you want? If they ask for my advice, which do you think I can tell them, but at the end it's them. And if they choose the worst thing, I have to do it. I have to go to trial, even though I think it's a waste of time and we're going to lose. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling them we're going to lose and it's going to cost them a lot of money. They don't care. Fine. We go to trial because- <laughs> That yeah. was their choice. I have zero say. If they want to offer somebody $100,000 when this person is a total liar and we all know it, I have to offer the person $100,000. I've had it go both ways. It's horrendous. And that's another <laughs> reason why attorneys get depression is because we have no say. We don't actually have any control in our jobs. We wow. have to do what the client says, even if it goes absolutely against everything we want to do. So I think with that said, like, so do you have any guidance, right? To our <laughs> listeners? Like now we, we, we need a little guidance here, right? Don't go. <laughs> like if you are contemplating choosing between like law schools and if you're thinking about the law school or you think about becoming a lawyer, or you thinking about like the financial aspect of law school, what guidance would you give? Here's my biggest tip. Okay. So I'm talking about keeping your debt to a minimum, right? So okay. that you have choice so that you can change areas of law, get out mm -hmm. of law, whatever you want to do with your future, you can do it. If you want to stay home with the baby, all that kind of stuff. The best way to be able to stay out of debt, aside from just getting that great LSAT score and getting this amazing scholarship <laughs> is to take gap years. If you take a few years off, okay, mm -hmm. based on that $50,000 a year income, right? If you can live frugally, if you can live at home, whatever you have to do, you could save $25,000 a year. There are a lot of ways you could save half that income. 
Mm-hmm. And the average cost of law school without um, you know, the extra stuff, just the tuition is $43,000. So rounding up to 50, okay, in two gap years, if you save $25,000 a year, you could pay for a year of law school with cash. Okay, so Jolene, I like that. Right? It's only two years. I mean, you could do six years off and pay all of school or, you know, again, you maybe you have a small scholarship, whatever it is. But if you could pay cash for one year of law school and just avoid all that debt, that makes a huge difference. And you didn't have to do too much. And in those two years, you can explore, first of all, other career paths, maybe something else will make you happier. Mm-hmm. But if not, you can do informational interviews in every area of law you're interested in. You can- Well, that's super smart. Right. You can ask, like, is there anything I can do for you to get an inkling? Like, can I accompany you to court one day or something like that? And then use your vacation days during those two years to do that on occasion, to follow people and trail them. You probably don't have the time or money to intern for free. And I don't necessarily recommend working for a firm because everyone I know, including myself, tries to do that. And one, it's hard to get into a firm in that little time frame. But two, you usually don't get the experience. You know, a secretary is not going to get the same experience as an intern for a lawyer or as a lawyer. So that's not the best use of your time, but you can just connect, network, get to know people in the industry you want to go into and really maintain those connections. And that's another way that you can get great internships when you're in law school. People mm-hmm. are floundering to find internships, but if you already know people and you know them in the industry you want to go into, you might just slip right into an internship. Mm-hmm. So that that's just one way to save thousands of dollars and thousands of dollars in interest on the loans you would have taken out in your first year. And that goes back to mental health, right? Because I will be less stressed, right? If I'm yeah. not worrying all the time about money. Exactly. And if you're not worried about, I don't know anyone and what am I supposed to do and how am I going to get an internship? It's, hey, I already have all this stuff I can write on my resume. I already have people I can reach out to and say, you know, what's the best way to get an internship in this field and things Mm -hmm. like that. So it's multiple levels of stress. Students, I think when they're trying to reduce stress, they're just trying to think of like a study plan. And they're not, again, strategizing overall for everything, for their finances, for their future, everything, even their education. There are classes in law school that are easier than other classes Mm -hmm. and people don't look for them. They just think, okay, the school's telling me what I got to do. I got to do these things, move on. Okay. So I got to take this class, check that class, check. And then they don't really look for is there an easier way to graduate? Is there an easier way to get out of here? And with that easier way, again, you're reducing your stress level. So if they start doing that now, if they start, I mean, college students can start, you have to take an art requirement. Every school makes you take an art requirement. Mm -hmm. My roommate took art history. She was learning artist names, the pictures, Mm -hmm. the years, all the stuff. I took drama. We played tag. I got (laughs) it. So, you know, nobody cares if you get a history minor. Nobody cares if you have an economics minor. That's Mm -hmm. not going to help you in any way. Take fun electives, electives that are easy for you to get an A. That'll boost your GPA. That's what people are going to care about when you're going into higher education. Have some fun, relax, reduce your stress level, Mm -hmm. and yeah, get those good grades. And then do the same thing in law school. It is possible. It's, you know, you're not taking art classes anymore, but- for example, most schools require you to take a writing class. Uh-huh. It's like a 20, 30 page research paper. Well, there's no final. You have control over your paper. So instead of 100% of your grade going into one three hour exam where you're competing with everyone for that grade, what if you actually had the whole semester to research your paper and write it and rewrite it and submit it the week before finals? So you have one less final and you have full control over how well you did that paper. At my school, people were like, oh, I checked the box. I did that. It's like, well, that's lovely, but why not do it again? No one said you only have to do it once. Oh, right. that's smart too. That's very organized. I wish I, I wasn't that organized <laughs> in grad school. I'm like, that it's is hard. Super <laughs> organized. I did have a, a question back to the culture once you're out and you're working. Do you think that there's any chance 
ever to change the culture of like the 24 seven working for attorneys. Cause I think that like lawyers work 24 hours a day. It's why? <laughs> a little why, bit. Why are there no, why are there no boundaries around time? For a little attorneys? bit. Yeah. It's hard. I will tell you that at one point when I had a lot of really big trials and I had to have conference calls with people, I'm in LA, they were in the Midwest. I was trying, you know, seven of us on the call. I was being super accommodating. So I would do these calls while I was commuting with my toddlers. I would do the calls on my day off because, you know, maybe it was early morning and I wasn't doing anything yet. Well, at my annual review, there were complaints that there was a dog barking in one of your calls and kids in the background. Oh, okay. Well, you know what the solution to that is? I'm just not that available. Right. All six of you are going to have to wait probably about a week until I'm not in you know, court and in depositions. And yeah, and the, it's between the hours of eight and five. And what's funny is as much as that bothered me, because I was really trying to be accommodating, um, nobody ever complained that I was unavailable. So I think that we keep giving and giving and we don't realize mm -hmm. that we should be setting boundaries. So part of it is us. We need to set boundaries. Right. But part of it is the firm and the boundaries that they give are, um, it varies a lot from firm to firm. And so you may have to move around if a firm just doesn't recognize that you may have a personal life, that certain events might be important to you. Um, it's, but it's hard. It's hard when you're trying to make the money. It's hard when you're trying to gain a nice looking resume, right? You don't want to hop yeah. all over the place. And it's hard when you like your job. It's just that maybe there's no boundaries at the job. Right. And the anxiety of getting, of making sure that you're billing all the hours so that you can pay. I mean, it, I see the double-edged sword, right? Like you want to work all the time. You want to bill so that you can pay your student loan, um, yeah. which makes you available 24 hours a day. But like the sleep deprivation of big laws. Well, Anisha and I are going to come to all the big law, law firms and we're going to give workshops on boundaries <laughs> and uh, sleep hygiene. Um, you got to tell our listeners, Jolene, about your class, your course. Yeah, yeah. So tell them my, all about it because it's so important. Yeah. So again, I focus on the finances, mm -hmm. although my course does cover more than that, but I have a course financially free aspiring attorneys, and it just helps pre-law students and law students. There's mm -hmm. tips starting actually all the way back in high school. If you, if you know, in high school, you want to go to college and law school, it's got tips for everybody to shave off some time mm -hmm. to save money. And to save some stress, like I said, taking the art classes instead of, you know, that double major that nobody's going to care about. Right. Or just, you know, how can you save money by going somewhere abroad? Um, there are ways. Uh, there's ways to overspend with that, too. So you have to be a little careful. But the course has something to help you in every respect with respect to your legal journey so that you can graduate with less debt if you want to shave off some time. You can do it in less time as well and just be happier as an attorney. Actually live your dream. You'll be able to afford a house, be able to go on vacation with your kids, all the things. You'll put your kids in private school if that's what you want to do. You'll not have two mortgages at the same time, basically. So why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Because I think that that's so important. Because you're so many places. You're I was like, just going to say, you, we can find you. Yeah. You yeah. are not hiding. find you? <laughs> Yes. So yes, I am on every platform from LinkedIn to TikTok and most places it's under uh, legal learning center. LinkedIn makes me use my name. So it's Jolene Blackburn over there, but you can also just go to legallearningcenter.com and I do have a link there for everything. So you can find my courses and my Instagram and all that stuff. But yeah, definitely if you're at all interested in the legal field or thinking about it in any way, I highly recommend that you just connect with me on one of the platforms. I've had students say, you've changed my entire perspective just by following my posts. Mm -hmm. I've had people mm -hmm. literally say, I'm not going to practice law now that I've gotten my law degree because of your posts. And I'm like, wait, we never even talked. Um, can you slow down a moment? <laughs> like, just yeah, slow scaring down. me. Slow down. Yeah. So, um, so apparently my posts are very helpful. <laughs> so okay, good. Yeah. I love it. I, um, I'm going right to follow you on TikTok because awesome. the fact that you are on TikTok is <laughs> rocking my world. I do not um, dance just to warn you. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. Thank you so much. This is such good information. And I think that if you are thinking about becoming an attorney or even if 
tips on how to get organized and save money, no matter what you're going to do. (laughs) Also the culture. I mean, I think the culture of being a lawyer and like what it means and what it really is. We have a very different idea in our heads as opposed to the reality of it. So thank you for everything that you do. And now it's time for our last hurrah. Yes. So this question has nothing to do with what we talked about today. Okay. So Jolene, it's time to sing karaoke. What's your favorite song? What do you sing? Oh my goodness. Okay. So (laughs) I, I have to say that, so I have a song that I love that every time it comes on, it just, I got to sing and dance it. Okay. And one time I was going to a galaxy game soccer mm-hmm. and, um, we didn't have tickets. We just showed up and okay. lo- local radio station was there. And they were like, if you sing karaoke, you get tickets. And I'm like, cool. Um, but I didn't listen to that station's music. So I couldn't find a song that they were happy with. So I, I sacrificed myself and I said, okay, I'll sing this favorite song of mine. And the guy was like, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Super Freak by Rick James. Oh, yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I love for it. For the win, for it. the tickets. Did you get them? I got the tickets. There it is. <laughs> All right. I love it. Thank you so much, Jolene, for spending um, some time with us this afternoon. We really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I had such a good time. Yeah, we did too. Um, Anisha. Yes. We're in we are what? Still living in a pandemic. We're still living in a pandemic. So Ready, girl. wash your hands. Stay safe. Stay safe. And wear the damn mask. Just do it. it. All right. We're all not vaccinated yet. Like, come on. Come on. We we want to go outside this summer. Just a little bit more time. Please. Yeah. Just (laughs) put it on. Just put it on. Thank you so much. And we're going to stop here. We'll see you next week. All right, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to bewellpsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's bewellpsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.